This podcast is brought to you by lineupmedia.fm. Because if you can tell me what your habits are, I can tell you what sort of a person you are. I can tell you what your future looks like. But like I always say, life is 10% what happens to you. It's 90% what you do about it. The people who are most effective in the workplace believe that their future is going to be bigger than their past. When people don't believe that their future is going to be bigger than their past, they begin to disengage. You're listening to The Circuit of Success, a podcast dedicated to helping you achieve success in every facet of life. Only on the lineupmedia.fm podcast network. Now, your host, Brett Gilliland. Appreciate all your guys' time today. I know we're all quarantined at home, which is a little crazy, but, uh, but here we are. So uh, anyway, I'm going to make just a brief introduction for everybody, if that's all right. Somebody have something to say there? No, is this TikTok? Is this what all the kids are doing? Yeah, let's start <laughs> it off, Brad. This exactly. is TikTok, right? Oh, oh. This is not TikTok. We are, uh, there's my son, Asher. He's over here. He's learning. We're all learning. I'm trying to, uh, we're, uh, I'm trying to figure out how to edit this deal where I'm not hearing myself twice. Uh, I don't hear you twice. I hear you once. You do? All right. Yeah. Well, let's just roll with that. So I'm going to make a quick introduction of everybody here. We've got uh, my friend, Kyle McClellan, even though it says Bridget McClellan on the screen over here, Kyle. Uh, we're going to go ahead. I'm sorry. I got, there we go. Uh, my bad. This is what you learn to do right here. All right. So we got Kyle McClellan, top left. How you doing, Kyle? I'm doing good. Good, man. Thanks for being with us. Kyle played for the St. Louis Cardinals from 2008 until 2012 uh, and uh, played for the big leagues from 2008 to 2013. So thanks for being with us, Kyle. We got Brian Jordan over here. He looks like he's a professional golfer, even though he is uh, one of very few athletes that played in the NFL and for the Major League Baseball, played uh, professionally for the Atlanta Falcons as a safety from 1989 to 1991, played for the Cardinals from 1992 to 1998, now doing some TV stuff down there for our friends, the Atlanta Braves. So, Brian, thanks for being with us. Hey, no problem, man. Anything to get out of cooking and uh, cleaning and doing all that stuff, man, for the That's kids. Right. So. <laughs> well, well, we'll skip over here to Brad Thompson. Brad, uh, 2005 to 2010, played in the big leagues, 2005 to 09 with the Cardinals. He is a 2006 World Series champ and now on ESPN and Fox Sports Midwest. So, Brad, thanks for joining us, my friend. No problem, Brad. Thanks for having me, man. And, and uh, a lot like Brian said, anything to get out of uh, the real world for a few minutes. Talk about some baseball, some fun stuff, man. That's right. That's exactly right. And then we got Jason Isringhausen right there. Jason uh, played from 1995 to 2012 in the big leagues. Um, NL saves leader in 2004, two-time All-Star, 300 saves, and he was a recent St. Louis Cardinal Hall of Famer. So, Jay, thanks for being with us. Hey, appreciate it. I'm glad to see everybody's uh, doing good and healthy. And like everybody said, just a little break of the uh, monotony of uh, staying under roof. And uh, I'm glad to be here. That's right, man. Well, thanks, guys. I really appreciate this. We uh, sent you guys a text, I guess, a week ago. and we, we whipped this together on what should be Cardinals opening day. Uh, Brad would be busy on the radio here this afternoon, but we'll talk about other stuff, I guess, won't you, Brad? 
Yeah, we'll figure something out. We, right. we have four hours, so I'm contractually obligated to come up with something for four hours. Luckily, we got a good team, and we can BS pretty well. That's good. That's good. You're, you're good <laughs> at that. So, also want to uh, wish Noah Seeley, uh, Jessica Seeley, his mom, a friend of mine, back from home in uh, Mattoon, Illinois, Noah's 17th birthday, so we want to give a shout-out to Noah. So, everybody give uh, Noah a big old happy birthday. Wayne. What's up, Noah? Happy birthday. Happy birthday. birthday. <laughs> I know, Brian, you just had one a couple days ago. I did, man. I'm getting younger, man. I just turned 35. If you switch that around, it's 53. So, yeah, That's I'm getting good. older. <laughs> well, uh, Izzy, I'm going to start with you. And uh, you being a hometown kid, man, you grew up right down the road from Bush Stadium. And I uh, just want to talk to the fans about what it was like that first time you were able to put on that St. Louis Cardinal jersey, take the field, kind of walk us through that background and what it was like. Uh, it was, um, it seems like many moons ago now, but um, – one of, the, one of the highlights of my career was being able to come home and uh, play for my home team, team that I grew up watching, loving, you know, grew up watching the Aussies, the Willies, the Vince Coleman's, the Bruce Suiters, and the Bob Forshes, and you can, the names go on and on and on. Um, being able to be a part of the Cardinals and uh, being able to suit up next to guys in spring training like Lou Brock and Bob Gibson, uh, Stan was still around, Red Shandies. I mean, it was just a uh, dream come true for me. Uh, hardest part I had to do is learn how to say no to people about asking for things, tickets and such. But, uh, yeah. you know, it's, um, like I said, it was a dream come true to play from home team. And we had a lot of success during those years. I was here, uh, surrounded by unbelievable players like Jim Edmonds, Scott Rowland, Albert Pujols, you know, pitchers. I played with all these guys on this, on this screen, didn't play with BJ, but played against him. And uh, now we take it onto our fantasy camp uh, teams, and uh, uh, now he likes to steal hits from me to win championships. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Well, I got I to gotta ask then, Jason, did you ever pitch against Brian when you guys played? Do you remember what happened? I don't remember. That's no. like the yeah. biggest things. I don't remember who I faced and things like that. That's good. That could have got awkward fast if he hit like, you know, a – Game-winning home run off of you or something. That would have been real bad. I don't remember facing Izzy, to be honest. No. I don't, I don't think we did. When was your last year? 90 what? Or 2000? Come on, man. I, I got out at 2006, man. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I don't remember facing him. I mean, I would because I was with the Mets at the time in the mid-90s. And um, yeah. so I don't remember facing BJ at all. I do now in the fantasy camp. That's about it. Yeah, you told me yep. a story one time, Izzy, that somebody was talking trash to you at fantasy camp, and you threw a uh, fastball off the guy's back. Is that? I mean, is that true? No, oh, that, that was, was awesome. Brian Franklin did that to somebody. It wasn't me. <laughs> oh, okay. Mark Taylor. I, I, you. I hit him twice. I hit people on purpose. Come on, you stuck him in the ribs, man. I remember that one. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, Brian, talk to us if you can, man, about not many of us. I don't know about the rest of these guys. I, I didn't even do this as a Matt Toon Green Wave. I didn't even get to play baseball and football in high school, let alone at the big league level. So talk to us. Obviously, there's the physical side of the game. You know, you're tackling versus playing baseball. But what was it like, the, the preseason prep, the uh, kind of the postseason, offseason, during season? Talk to us about playing two sports at the level you played. Well, you know, I was used to it all my life. Uh, I played three sports all the way through elementary school into into high school. And I knew as a kid I wanted to play two different sports professionally. That was a dream of mine, and I never wanted to give up on that. So, you know, coming out of high school, basketball is really my favorite sport, but I knew reality was I wasn't 6'5", 6'6", and I wasn't a point guard, so I stuck with football and baseball going into college. Uh, 
I had to select the right college who would give me the opportunity. Uh, I was going to University of Maryland at first. Bobby Ross was the head coach. He said I could play two sports until I was ready to sign a dotted line. He told me I had to sit out a year of baseball. So I decided to go to University of Richmond, which allowed me to do both sports. And uh, fortunately, my junior year, I got drafted first round by the Cardinals on the condition that I could go back, graduate from college, and play my redshirt junior year and give myself an opportunity to play professional football, which really worked out well. Uh, played three years with the Falcons. And, uh, you know, with the Cardinals drafted me my junior year to, with the likes of playing with Ozzie Smith and Willie McGee and those guys. And like Izzy said, I had a chance to meet Stan Musial, Red Shane Deans down in spring training. George Kissel was probably my greatest mentor with the Cardinals. Uh, I mean, I didn't get any better than that. And uh, I was fortunate enough to have that opportunity. And, uh, you know, after three years, the Cardinals came running and talked me out of football, which, you know, I don't have any regrets. Played 15 years of Major League Baseball, but I surely missed the game of football. That's right. That's right. So that, that's awesome, man. Not a lot, like I said, not a lot of people are doing that. And uh, was, was the post – I'm trying to think. So when you got done – playing baseball were you did you ever play uh I guess you were it wasn't at the exact same time was it so what was the postseason like when you had to either gain weight lose weight for baseball versus football well the thing was I, I was still in the minor leagues while I was playing in the NFL uh my okay. three years in the NFL I played like single a double a and then the triple a and then I was ready for the big leagues right after my third year in the NFL and that's when the Cardinals bought me out of football. So I didn't have the opportunity like Dion and those guys to play professional baseball and football at the same time. Nice work. So, Brad Thompson, next question's for you. And uh, we'll talk because we want to get a lot of questions from the fans here. But uh, Is it why I didn't play in the NFL as well? Because I get that a lot. Brad. <laughs> well, that was the first question. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, it was a tough decision, honestly. I, I had so many different schools beaten down my door, and I decided to walk on to a junior college in St. George, Utah instead. You know, I, I, the, the road less traveled is a good right. one. Right. See yeah. what happens? See, we're talking sports here, guys. He's been hosting a radio show where he's not been able to talk about sports for about three weeks so he's all amped up and ready to chat yeah i can go on any random tangent for 20 minutes you just let me know <laughs> all right we'll let you know if we need to fill some time here we'll let you know uh but talk to us about the 2006 world series man you uh were there i know one time you told me that it was the fastest uh sprint you've ever had from the bullpen to the uh, jumping on the pile there but walk our listeners through what it was like i mean being there being at the game as a fan probably, but also as a big league player and what that meant to you as a player, but also for the brotherhood. Yeah, look, I mean, there's no way really to describe it and there's no way to get those feelings ever again. It was funny though, as I was driving into work today, I, I live on the Illinois side, work in Creveport, and I'm driving past Bush Stadium and I was thinking to myself, man, is there a feeling that's better than succeeding in like baseball, like having that good game? Like I haven't found in my life like a feeling that is better than that one at this point. I will say on the flip side, I haven't had as far of a low as failing in baseball. So, I mean, maybe there's a happy medium in there somewhere. But uh, I just remember 06, that being my first ever – it was my first opening day in 06. I got called up in 05, but I missed opening day. So, like, being there for the new ballpark, uh, you know, for, for Bush 3 and seeing that, like, first game there, yeah. Albert hits the home run. I mean, it, it, was, it was cool. Ended up beating the Brewers in the first game. And, and then seeing that stadium open and then closing it out in Game 5 of the World Series and taking that, that ride along the way, there's nothing like it. Everybody has a goal in spring training. 
everybody has that their team says, hey, this is what we want to do. These are our goals. But I was so fortunate to come into a situation where the Cardinals had such a winning tradition and it wasn't a, oh, we, we hope to do this or we think we might do this. It's like, no, this is what we're going to do. This is what the expectations are. And there was such great leadership around these ball clubs. And Izzy, I mean, he's one of my, my favorite people on, on earth. He was one of my biggest mentors that I've ever had. And uh, guys like him, man, helped me out a lot of, along the way. But what a ride it was. So did, did Izzy have any, as your boy Chris Duncan would say, <laughs> any man sodas that night after you guys won the World Series? You know what, Brett? I can tell you something. Honestly, I don't remember. <laughs> I, 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 do, I, I don't remember. Probably, chances are, uh, everybody had a good time. It, it, was a, it was a little blurry for a couple of weeks in the celebration. Right. I got up to uh, – I, I carry my weight in my face when I'm not working out a lot, okay? And now's, now's the time. But I got up to like 215 pounds, and I think uh, 80 of it was like right here. I had a lot of fun. 80 of it, huh? Right there. Yeah, just right in there. So you're, you're in the bottom of the ninth. You know what's going on. You know what's getting ready to happen. Uh, you know, I guess that was Wayno. No, uh, that was Mott on the mound, wasn't it? Wayno. Wayno. Wayno on no, the mound. Yep. Uh, <clears throat> talk to us about that, man. You see it. It's happening. Yeah. I, I still remember, and uh, I'm sure Izzy will remember this one as well. Uh, Braden Looper was down there, and he was, like, yelling at the police officers to get out of the way. He's like, come on, move, 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 because they're all there, like, making sure the fans don't come in and go crazy. So they're trying to get into their post. We're trying to get into our uh, sprint mode back to my fastest sprint I've ever had. And I, it's just that excitement. Anybody, it's like Christmas morning as a kid, right? Like, you know it's there. You're creeping down the stairs. And you're ready for that moment where you can actually uh, open up a present, man. That's what it felt like. It, it, was, it was such anticipation for something you knew was going to happen. And, again, I, I, I can't remember having a feeling like that. That's awesome. Kyle, same thing for you. I mean, 2011, um, you know, you guys, game six, in my opinion, arguably the, the greatest game in the history of baseball. I'm, I'm probably a tad biased. Um, I was there. Uh, my wife and I, it was our 10th wedding anniversary. We took my father. Uh, we took my father-in-law. And I can tell you, when David Freeze hit that home run in game six, I've never seen my dad or my father-in-law jump as high as that. I mean, they might have set the world record for the highest jump. It was incredible. One of the best nights of my life. Uh, but walk us through that game six, game seven, and even what was it like around David Freeze? Did you guys talk to Freeze at all? Did you even bring up what he's doing? And you can take it from there. But talk to us about that. Well, I'll start with with Freeze. So you know, he he wins the uh, Kyle? the NLCS MVP. I think we lost him, didn't we, Brad? This is your – hey, you're the expert in this, What's Brad. That? You there? No, I think he sounds fine. Everything. Yeah, we're losing. <laughs> Kyle, you there now? Bridget, are yeah, you there? Bridget, Bridget, Bridget are you now, there? Man. There he is. He's on a farm somewhere, you know, getting off the tractor to come join us, and now we can't hear him. All right, let's start all over, Kyle. Can you hear me? We can hear you now. Okay. Um, I'll, I'll start with Freeze. You know, he wins the NLCS MVP, and it was just kind of like don't – touch them, don't talk to them, just let them keep going, you know, let, let this thing uh, keep riding out and, and just stay hot. You know, you get in the postseason, you get somebody that's hot like that, and, and you just want to let them ride. And, and so for him, it was just uh, keep him in his routine, keep doing that, because we knew we had Albert, we had all these other guys around him as well, but David was just absolutely on fire that whole stretch. And game six, um, we're, we're watching, and I tell people all the time that when we got down to our last strike, 
I'm a guy that I always like to watch celebrations. So whether it's, it doesn't matter what sport, it doesn't matter what, I love to watch the celebrations and, and see people react to, to winning. If it's, if it's NCAA, if it's, you know, whatever it is, because that's what we all play for. We, we go through everything for that opportunity. And I remember watching as we were down to our last strike, watching their dugout, the Rangers dugout, because I wanted to see what it was like to win the World Series. And hmm. and all of a sudden that ball gets hit and they're, they're on the field. Like there's players, as soon as it was hit, they're on the field and then the ball drops and all of a sudden they're trying to get back into the dugout. Um, and so then we're down to our last strike again with Lance Berkman up. And again, I'm, I'm looking into the dugout and they're not near as giddy to get up to that top step and to get on the field. But um, you just wanted to see it. You don't have many opportunities to get to the World Series. You want to see what that's like. And Lance hits that ball and all of a sudden it drops. And I remember running out there for game six at when we won and, and Freeze hit the home run. And I'll never forget running out there and thinking, this is the feeling that they were supposed to have that they were so close to having and were running out on the field. It was like we won the World Series. And, um, and, and, and then we get back to the, to the clubhouse, and I remember us all standing there and looking around and go, what do we do? Like, what do we do now? You know, we, we, we didn't know what, what was next. And somebody's like, I guess we should get in the shower and, you know, get ready for, uh, for a game tomorrow. And uh, I, I believe it was Kyle Loesch was going to start game seven but we got rained out. Yeah. And so Carp was able to come and start on short rest. And, uh, and I remember pulling up to my parking spot and I get out of my truck and, and uh, somebody from the, the Fox sports was like, Hey, no game today. And, uh, and I, I immediately thought Carp's going to throw on short rest. And I went in and they're like, yeah, we're not playing. I was like, I don't care. Is Carp throwing tomorrow? And they're like, yeah, Carp's going. I was like, perfect. <laughs> Cause that's the guy you want. It going for you in, in, in any situation with, with the, the season on the line. And so then we show back up for game seven and they put up two in the first and you're thinking there's no way we came back and did everything up to this point to come here and lose, you know? And so then we put up two in the bottom of the first. And I remember looking at Adam Wainwright and I said, there's no way they can come back from this. There's mentally and psychologically go through that, what they went through on game six to be up to nothing. And then, and then now to be, you know, tied with two, and then thankfully that wasn't a close game because I, I couldn't take another close game. And, right. um, and then when you run out there, it's just like at that point, you know, it's, but, but you, you don't really know you're up by what five or six when we ended up winning it, but you didn't feel good based on what you saw two nights before. You didn't feel good about uh, your chances until that ball was caught. Now I got to think the kid in you comes out when you're seeing a freeze hit a walk off home run like that. And obviously you guys didn't hear it, but you, you hear the or Joe Buck talk about, we will see you tomorrow night. I mean, what was that like running out on the field and just like, were you like a kid in a candy store again? I think the, the best explanation is for people to go back and watch that and pick out Gerald Laird in that video and watch him because he jumps up like full ballerina mode. It, there's pictures of him too. It's hilarious. And Gerald, it just fits his personality. But his reaction is exactly that reaction. I'll see if I can come up and, and find it on my phone here. But um, it, it doesn't get any better. Um, you know, to, to go out and, and to, to have that, that moment and that, especially at home too, you know, like, gosh, how much greater was all of that because it was there at Bush Stadium versus being in yeah. Texas. It would have been great, but man, just to be there for our crowd and, and uh, it, you couldn't ask for a better story. That's for no. sure. Unbelievable. Uh, Jason Simon Tachi's with us. What's up, Jason? <laughs> Technical difficulty. Maybe uh, the Indian, not the aerial. <laughs> that's, all right. that's quite all right, man. That's quite all right. Uh, so, Jason, I was going to ask you, um, I, I hate to start with this now, your first question, but it was around Daryl Kyle. Man, you were the, the, the pitcher that started the game after 
the day after Daryl Kyle passed away. Just kind of wanted you to talk about, I think if I remember correctly, you said you were going through a batting practice, you walk to the dugout, you find out. Um, talk to us about that, man. What, what was that like for you, the, the guys on the team, and what did that do for you as a ball club? Oh, man. Um, well, so it was – I don't even know what day it was. I don't know if it was a Saturday or Sunday that we are playing, but um, it was a day game, obviously. And I just got done. Usually the starting hitter or starting pitcher gets about five minutes to himself. And um, so I get done swinging the bat, and I'm walking back to the dugout, getting ready to go back up to the uh, to the clubhouse. And um, I had heard some – it might have been Jockety, Tony, and I think Barry, the three guys. And I heard something such as, like, what do you mean he's dead? Um, but I didn't even really pay attention. I was just – I didn't know – obviously, we're not thinking it's going to be DK, you know. And um, But anyway, so I'm I'm walking up the hall towards the clubhouse, and it's pretty good jaunt, whatever. And the next thing I know, I've got those three guys running past me, <clears throat> going up the hall. They get in the clubhouse, and um, – me, I was, you know, I've only been there for a month, I think it was. And, uh, you know, it was unlike DK to be late, let alone not being around the guys and doing this business. But uh, I get up to the clubhouse and I walk in there and it was kind of, I mean, it was quiet. No, everybody else was out in BP. Uh, a couple of the clubhouse guys were there and just kind of went business as usual. And the next thing you know, it was like, here comes the players just come shuffling in. And, uh, we were all in that small little bullpen or clubhouse, and I guess everybody, everybody, we were all gathered around. Mike, Mike Matheny got up there, and we start. He started saying a word, some words, and we weren't really sure what was going on. Um, so Mike just led us in a prayer, and and as soon as as soon as he got up, uh, it was like Tony walked in, and D, sorry guys, DK's dead, and and it was. It was like someone put a bomb in the middle of that clubhouse and everybody dispersed. I mean, it was like people went everywhere. Uh, guys went everywhere. And it was, uh, I don't know. I mean, I, it's just still to this day. It was, it was, I mean, besides hearing my dad die, but I mean, that was, that was probably the worst day of my life. Uh, knowing a, a fellow teammate, a uh, guy that really put his arm around me just for the quick three or four months or weeks that I was there. Um, yeah. And finding out how awesome of a guy he was because of it everybody that was involved and, and started reaching out. But uh, moving forward, that was pretty tough uh, because obviously I was supposed to start that day and somehow should be in Chicago. My parents lived out in California, so they were listening to the game, the pregame, stuff like that. And they, they mentioned something on TV that the game wasn't going to be played. So I got, a, I got to listen to my mom bawling her eyes out on a voicemail on my phone saying, you know, Jason, please call me back. I hope it's not you. Please don't be dead. And, uh, you know, I, and I'm just, you know, when you walk out that clubhouse, you can look down and you can see the stand or the fans walking by. And I remember hearing my mom's voice and I remember watching my tears go down my eyes or down my, down my cheeks and drop it on those people down there. They had no clue what was going on. I'm just, you know, it's just, uh, it was, it was horrific, man. It was, you don't, <laughs> you know, it's, it's not supposed to be that way, but it was, uh, it was, I don't know. I mean, it was, and then, you know, with everybody that MLB did, uh, uh, and how they handled it, and uh, Tony and Dunk. I mean, it was that clubhouse. I mean, like I, I think we've talked about it before, and Izzy can attest to this. That clubhouse, I mean, when you watch guys or when you see guys that were on that team, it, it's not just, hey, man, what's going up? It was we're brothers, and we went through something tragic like that, and it, there's a big hug, and there's appreciation of seeing each other, and the value of life was and, and the real meaning of what's important came along that year. <clears throat> Yeah. Well, thanks for sharing that, man. Sorry to drop that on you as your first question. That's, that's a tough one, isn't it? Hey, Brad, I don't think you have to worry about your day job being lost by me. Well, good, good. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Way, way to, uh, we, we were up here 
right, exactly. Day, but we're going to bring no, it back. It, it, we're going to bring it back right now. We're going to talk about Cardinal Nation and Brian Jordan and what it was like. I think I saw an interview with you and I was doing some research. You said you got drafted, what, 1992 maybe by the Cardinals, whatever it was. But th- this immediately became home from you, for you. Talk about I, I wish it was 92. I'd be a lot uh, younger, but it was in uh, – <laughs> It was at 88 when I was drafted. 88. Yeah, by the, by the Cardinals, first round. And uh, supplementary draft picks, I think it was like 27, 28 uh, for Jack Clark. Uh, again, you know, I, w- I was torn between football and baseball. And I had that opportunity to fly up to St. Louis, go down on the field and meet Whitey Herzog and Ozzie Smith and Vince Coleman and all those guys trying to talk me out of football and playing baseball. But, you know, Ozzie and those guys, I mean, they were – I mean, they were awesome. Uh, you know, they just gave me their honest opinion. Uh, you know, they said, hey, you got the hammer. <laughs> you know, football, baseball, use it, enjoy it. And uh, then when you're ready to play baseball for good, it'll, it'll come around. And, uh, hmm. you know, I was fortunate, again, like I said, to have that opportunity uh, given to me by the Cardinals and the Falcons at the time. And, uh, you know, it was fun. It was fun while it lasted. But, you know, I, as I tell everybody, it's, it's no place like St. Louis. Uh, the fans there, uh, they were embracing me right from the start. Uh, and if you play hard for Cardinal fans, they will love you forever. And I, I found that out early. Uh, again, when you got good leadership around you, uh, good mentors like Ozzie Willie, uh, I mean, Danny Cox and those crazy guys. I mean, we, we had a lot of fun. You know, we didn't win much. We were a lot, a lot younger then. Uh, we kind of set the tone. And, and then, you know, at the end of my time there, Tony DeRusso came in, and that's when uh, things start turning around. So was that uh, – when you think about the Cardinal playing days, that, that's obviously probably tough. Like you said, you weren't winning. But, but what was it like – I mean, you played for the Braves and you played for the Cardinals. We hear it all the time in St. Louis. We're the best fans in baseball, right? But, like – you hear that, and people say that, but why? Like, what, what makes that different versus the Braves? And we promise to not let any Braves fans hear this, Brian, so let it rip. <laughs> you know, base, uh, uh, Cardinal fans, they understand the game. And, and it's, it's a big difference when you got fans that understand the game. They understand when guys play hard, when guys hustle, when guys give their best effort. And they give you the benefit of the doubt. Uh, you know, you go to other places, it's about what have you done for me lately? You know, and if you don't perform one day, you're, you're a bad player. But, you know, Cardinal fans, they don't see it that way. And, you know, again, if you come in there with the attitude that I'm going to give you all that I have and you give 110%, work your butt off, Cardinal fans are going to respect you. And, and, again, I mean, every time I go back to St. Louis, they never forget you. And uh, that's, that's a good feeling. Yep. So this question is really for uh, Kyle, for uh, – I keep seeing Bridget's name on there. I almost called you Bridget, Kyle. But for Kyle and Jason and Brad, you guys coming out of the bullpen, talk to us about what that's like. That phone rings. You're sitting out there. What's that feeling? What's that emotion? There's Izzy's dog. <laughs> who's, who's that little guy? <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. I'll say for me, just coming out of the bullpen, here the phone ring. Uh, I'm still waiting for it. I'm still waiting for that emotion again in what what is – regular life now there's nothing like it but the the adrenaline rush that is there hoping that it's your name uh, being called unless it was a close game late then I knew it was going to be Izzy uh, <laughs> which made me feel a little bit safer in general but it, it's just a it's a cool feeling it's also a cool feeling going to work every day and knowing that you have got a chance to impact the ball game in one way or another I, I enjoy that aspect of being in the yeah I, I would agree with uh, I would agree with Brad on that but 
the starting and 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 out of the bullpen, Izzy, me, and Brad, Simo, we've all done it. But I did love that coming to the park every day, having that opportunity to pitch and to contribute to your team. As a starting pitcher, you go in and you have a huge role. I mean, the the, the game typically goes how the starting pitcher goes, but um, the other four days, you're a cheerleader, and and uh, you know it, it has its role. But I, I love that coming in. Maybe it's only an inning. Maybe it's a, a batter. Maybe it's two innings. You have to extend out a little bit. But uh, knowing every day you came in, you had a chance to to go in and contribute is great. But for me, it was it was uh, a lot of anxiety. I mean, as the game started going along, and you would try to play along with it and and predict where you were going to be, you never knew for certain, but you always had a pretty good idea. Um, and as that about the fifth inning, you'd start really paying attention and. As you got to that sixth or that seventh inning, and you're like, "Man, this is this has got you know my my name written all over this this scenario here." Then you start getting nervous. You start you know all the all the negative thoughts would go through your head. For me, while I was warming up, I would always have negative thoughts, and I couldn't get it out. It would be like, "Man, it's a one run game. You know, don't give up a leadoff base hit, or don't give up a leadoff double, or all these things start going through your head." And and you start thinking about all the the ways that you could blow it. But as soon as I and, – and to the point where you're almost scared to death, but as soon as I would cross that gate coming out of the bullpen and go onto the field, it, I instantly was able to shed all that, and you turn into the, the baddest person on the planet. And you would go in there, no matter who you're facing, no matter what your history is with that person, you go in there and you're invincible. And you have to take that mindset. Never, I was scared every time I was warming up, but I never once took it into the game. And, and you have to trick yourself. You have to fool yourself, whatever it is. But to go out there and say, hey, I'm, I'm bringing everything I have here. And if it's not good enough, it's not good enough. But I'm going to take everything I got and, and give it my best shot. But, yeah, there's no feeling. That instant heart attack when that phone rings and <laughs> you're all looking. You know, everybody's looking at him like, who is it? Who is it? And it's like, Mac, it's you. And you're like, oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. You know, just that there, there's nothing like it. I think for me it was <clears throat> a little different. I kind of knew when I was going to pitch. So, um, but like Kyle said, I had a, a fear of failure. And I was able to – turn that into adrenaline and warming up. I, I had a, a very set routine of my stretching and these rubber heavy ball throws that I would do. And when I was warming up and throwing to Murph, our bullpen catcher, I had a select number of pitches I threw here, here, here and curveballs, cutters and stuff. So I was very detail oriented on my routine. So, but then like Kyle said, once you go through that gate, it's like my hair's on fire and I'm going out there and I'm going to destroy whoever I have to face. And, you know, yeah, you have those days when just nothing nothing works and you have a terrible day and, you know, you feel like you've let the world down, your family, your friends, your teammates, your city, everything like that. So, yeah, yeah there's a lot of anxiety that goes into that. So that's where the adult beverages come into play later maybe. But, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's one of those things, you know. You, uh, I have short-term to memory, people. right? <laughs> yeah, short-term memory. Take a shower, have a drink, go to bed, do it again the next day. And uh, I knew myself, I was the one guy that if I had a bad day, the team was going to have a bad day. Uh, starter can go out there and give up four runs in the first inning, and we still come back and win. And, yeah, you know, he might get a couple talks to by the reporters, but when you're pitching at the end of the game and you fail, there's going to be 20 reporters in front of your locker when you get back from the shower. And uh, there was a lot of, like like Kyle said, the anxiety, the the fear of failing. Um, being, a lot of guys can handle it, um, but there's a lot, a lot more guys that can't handle it. You know, it's really easy when things are going good, but when yeah. things go bad, uh, they go bad quick. And when those bad days linger into three or four a week, and then the self-doubt comes into your brain, 
and then you don't even want to go to the ballpark. You're praying that Carp or Wayno throws a complete game shutout or something. You don't want to go back in there. Right. You need a break. Uh, you need a mental break. Your body needs a break. And um, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't change anything in the world for what I did. I, I thrived on the adrenaline. I thrived on the excitement. And like Brad said, there's. Uh, I can't find uh, much these days that gives me that kind of adrenaline and that type of competition of competing against the best hitters in the world. Um, it's just not going to happen. I mean, I'll probably end up killing myself trying to find it. But uh, one of these days, uh, I'm going to find that adrenaline rush again. I just hope I come out of it okay. <laughs> Hold my beer and watch this. Uh, so, Brian, when you hear these guys talk about, man, they're invincible, they're all this stuff when they come out on the mound, I'm curious from a hitter's standpoint, you got a lot of RBIs, a lot of home runs in your career. What was your mindset when you saw, like, you know, a, a Nizzy or a, a Brad, Simo, Kyle, whoever coming in the game? Get lucky. Uh, like be aggressive. Uh, you know, for me, I used to just watch the pitching warm up. And if he is like attacking the strike zone, hitting this, you know, corners and, and throwing a lot of strikes, my mentality on in that uh, batter's box is okay, he's feeling good about himself. He's going to start out with a strike. So I'm going to be aggressive. Uh, it, it's funny that you said that because I was watching the game the other night uh, when I was playing with the Braves and the Mets in 2001 after the 9-11 mm. and late in the game uh Franco was on the mound a lefty who I hit 308 against and then they had Benitez warming up who I was 0-5 against so for me I'm sitting there knowing that Chipper gets a hit here they're gonna bring in Benitez because I'm all 0 for 5 so my mentality was I was watching them warm up I'm gonna be aggressive you know forget about mm. that 0 for 5, you know, that was yesterday. This is a new day. And, of course, first pitch he threw, I, I line a double in the gap. We go up 2-1 to one because I knew I had to be aggressive. I wasn't going to let him get ahead because if he gets ahead, I'm done. Because yeah. mentally, I know he got me. And uh, so when, you, when you're sitting there watching guys, you can read them. And, and that's what I did a lot of. But you had to have that mentality that, you know, you were not going to fail in my eyes as a hitter. I'm going to be aggressive. I'm going to attack the strike zone, and uh, and a lot of times, most of the times I was successful, a lot of times I were not. So, you know, that's baseball. Well, it's just like what you're going to do on the first tee today, right? You got to be aggressive. You got to think positive. Be aggressive. That's right. right. You, you, hit, you hit a ball straight down the middle about 300, you're intimidating everybody. That's group. right. Just put that <laughs> in the bag like you meant to do it. Exactly. Don't say, yeah, just say to yourself, don't shank it, right? That's, what you, that's how you stand <laughs> over the ball. That's what I do. Don't shank it. <laughs> Don't shank this. Don't hey, Brad, I found the picture of Gerald Laird I was talking about. Oh, yeah, look at that. Look at him. That is like fired that up. Dancing queen. I remember <laughs> that picture. That's awesome. Wow. Clearly uh, well, I got a bunch of questions, but I'd like for our – I got my phone here, if you see me looking at my phone. So if, you, if people listen and want to start asking some questions, fire those things up. I'll uh, do my best to stay on top of it and ask those questions. But if you can, you know, today's supposed to be opening day. We're supposed to have, as Mike Shannon would say, an ice cold Bud Light in our hands down down there eating a uh, – Izzy likes it. He'd be down there doing the Izzy, same. Izzy, let me see your hand. Red jacket on today. The Clydesdales <laughs> would be going around. You'd be wearing your World Series rings, all sorts of stuff. So tell us your favorite if you can. I don't care what order we go in. We just, we just rap about it. What was your favorite memory of opening day or just your favorite memory as a St. Louis Cardinal? Uh, I'll start, I guess. Uh, my favorite memory was probably going to be uh, today. It was going to be my first time wearing the red coat ah. on the field, and it got postponed, and that's just uh, buzzard luck. 
You know, I it's it's part of life. That's some bull crap, man. <laughs> I'm just hoping everybody gets healthy and we get baseball going again. But yeah, that this was probably going to be my favorite opening day memory this year. And um, just you know, what are you going to do about it? We're here talking. We're healthy. My family's healthy. So. My friends are healthy, so that's all I can worry about right now. That's right. Where's the jacket? They keep it down there? Is it physically like yeah, up in your we closet? Get, we, only, I've only, we get to wear it two times a year, once opening day and once during the ceremony, and they keep them because I'd probably lose mine or something. They just them. keep yours. They don't want you to get mustard all over it. Exactly. <laughs> I'd be getting uh, beer stains and mustard stains all over it. Izzy would wear it hunting. Does it say anything? Does it say Izzy inside, or what's the inside have? It does. It does say Izzy on the inside. Okay. Yeah, they asked me what I wanted on it, and I said that you can save your thread count and uh, just put Izzy on it. I like it. I like it. You gave right. a hell of a talk there, man. If I can, if I can give you some kudos on that. If you want to go back and you know you're quarantined and need something to listen to, Google uh, Izzy's talk on the uh, when he got inducted. It was awesome. Man. He did a great Izzy talk. had me crying. I was in the I was in the uh, audience like a little baby. <laughs> yeah, if you want to see a, a big right. uh, so-called tough guy cry in public, go ahead and watch that. <laughs> yeah, you should watch that. That's right. That's right. Not Izzy. Come on. <laughs> uh, here's a question from the audience before we go back to. Uh, Going back to what were our favorite Cardinal memory. This is for you, Izzy, from Josh Barber. It says, uh, what's your mindset before coming into the game? Is there anything you do to reset after giving up a home run or, or giving up the lead the night before? What's your mindset? Um, all I concentrate, like, like BJ was saying, like I concentrate on the hitters. I wanted to know who was hot, who swung the first pitch, and uh, that's all I cared about because I wanted to know whether or not I could throw that first pitch strike for, with a fastball or outside corner with a cutter or something like that. But uh, my reset thing was, uh, was my routine. So I relied on my routine. I knew if I did my routine every day, I did my job uh, and my part. And then when I went out there and once I released the ball, everything's out of my control. So I really worried about, I concentrate on my routine. Uh, that whole thing, the, the process is more important than the product kind of speech. And uh, I really concentrate on my process throughout the day. And that's how I got myself ready every day. Got it. Good. Good answer. So here's another one from John. Uh, he, he's talking about his son, Camden. So we're going to give some kid advice here. Whoever's got the best kid advice. Uh, Brad, this may be you. Did you ever <laughs> drop any balls or get hit in the face or anything when you were playing catch? Yeah. Look, Izzy benched me in fantasy camp. <laughs> he was my manager. And I, I booted a couple of balls at shortstop. And all of a sudden, he pulled me off the field. It was embarrassing, honestly. Uh, I'm supposed to be like the, the legend guy that's supposed right. to be the former player. And I got yanked for a couple innings, too. He didn't let me back out there. I thought he was just kidding. Uh, yeah. So uh, unlike maybe some of these other guys pass to the big leagues, Mine wasn't that uh, – there was never that conversation on any field that I was on that said, oh, that guy right there, that kid, he's going to make it to the big leagues. Just it wasn't the conversation. I was more on the line of, like, that kid might eat his booger. Watch him long enough. <laughs> might do it. But, hey, but, but it goes back to the idea if, if you love something, you keep doing it, you know. And for me, that was baseball. So I had, I had plenty of bumps in the road. Uh. I had plenty of failures along the way. Well, here we are. You know, I get to chat with you guys. You know, that's the big key. Hey, you're going to fail. You're going to screw up. You're going to have bad times. But what do you do with them? You know, do you, do you hang your head and, and pout about it? Or, or do you just keep going back out there and try to have more success? And uh, I did that. So that, that's Cam so Camden here. My, this is my cousin's kid. So Camden is uh, – he's playing. he's been hit in the face a few times. He's got a little anxiety around playing catch. Hey, so he, should get my, he should get my book. Over oh, look at this. Baseball. Go ahead, Brian. Hey, Brian, go ahead and plug the book. Where can we find it? What's the title of it? Perfect timing, man. I got hit in the face when I was a little kid. 
and I was so scared to get back in the batting box. And, and my dad, my dad kept encouraging me to get back out there, and he kept throwing tennis balls at me, you know, over and over until I finally started hitting the tennis ball, and I got back out there on the field. So it's going to happen at some point. A little kid going to get hit with the ball, but you got to get back in there as quick as possible and overcome that fear. I think I'm not going to, I'm going to go on a limb here. I think Brian Jordan just got a book sale right there. There we go. Yeah. How does this work? Can we drop the link right under our video here? Yeah. Right Amazon. Yeah. yeah the Brian below, Jordan. Hey, go, go to two sportman.com and you can order. Oh the book. my gosh. Or you can go to barely one sport man and you'll see yeah. uh, this. Brad, in fairness to Izzy, before he benched you, he did try putting you in right field, but you blew that one too. And then, yeah, it's windy in Florida. Windy. You guys know that. <laughs> all it goes all over the place. Oh, that's oh, funny. Uh, so Jeff Seberger says, "What's been the best professional and personal advice they've been given in their life, and who gave it to them?" From Jeff Seberger. Great question, Jeff. Um, I, I mine was uh, Bruce Suter came into the field one day. And uh, we were sitting down talking. It was one of my first times, like, really talking to him about baseball. And he goes, you're under a lot of pressure. You have to realize that you're, you're, when you come to the field, you're the one. If you have a bad day, the team's going to have a bad day. So, it's like no you're, either, you're, you're either the hero or the goat. There's no in-between for you. And you're going to have to learn how to deal with that anxiety. And that's what I was talking about. It was like, how do you deal with the anxiety of, of failing and things like that? And then Bruce kind of put things in perspective for me and, and uh, he was one of my heroes from 82, you know, closing out the World Series against the Brewers. And uh, to sit down with him and talk about things was pretty amazing. Yeah, that has to be surreal, isn't it? I mean, you watch it as a kid, obviously, just playing. You had no idea that you'd be a guy getting advice from him. I mean, how cool is that? Yeah, and now, like, down at fantasy camp, like, Bruce and I get to talk to people about baseball. And uh, just to be up there with Bruce is just a, it's an amazing uh, experience and something I'll always treasure. And uh, – Hopefully, Bruce keeps coming down to Fantasy Camp for years to come. It's a lot of fun. Anybody else got a great memory they want to share there? I got, I got to say, Joe Torrey, uh, I guess, gave me the best advice. As a matter of fact, he, people don't know this. He sent me to a psychiatrist because, hmm. you know, coming off the football field, I had that aggressive mentality, you know. If you throw it my head, I'm going to try to knock the ball to the moon. You know, I'm going <laughs> to swing harder. And all, all you do is get yourself in trouble. And I just had all this anxiety in me before I go hit. So he sent me to a psychiatrist, and I learned how to relax. And once I learned how to relax and be patient, you know, my game turned around, and I started becoming a better baseball player. I took all that aggressive, you know, anxiety away and, and, and relaxed and turned it around into a positive. So, And that probably you know, wasn't as normal back then, was it, to go see a psychiatrist or a, a coach like that? Absolutely not. I mean, I it came from left field. I, I would have never thought out of – visited a psychiatrist around baseball but yeah. it really helped my career i wish somebody would have sent me to a psychiatrist to be totally honest with you i did have uh, i did have scott spezio give me an anger management book so that that felt good spezio yeah. is the best looking out for me i appreciate yeah. it that's good problems that's good. yeah simo anything kyle i had uh i had someone give me some sliding lessons it was uh unbeknownst to me until after the fact but we were in cincinnati at the end of the game, and uh, old Cincinnati, I guess, and uh, I don't even know what the name of that field was. But uh, so at the end of the game, we're in, we're in there taking a shower. <laughs> you remember this, Izzy? No, I don't remember. Anything. Oh yeah, you do. <laughs> anyway, so <laughs> so we're in there, and 
you know, after the game, we're taking a shower. It's a lot, like, whatever. Just all the guys are in there, and all of a sudden, you just hear something screaming down the hall, and I get the water off my head, and I turn around. And as soon as I turn around, I see this big, fat, <laughs> white, hairy guy, butt naked, dive and slide through the shower into the into the wall. Now, <laughs> um, he had a dirty hat too, by the way. Good thing uh, I'm not here. Is that Kalani? <laughs> <laughs> so he taught us how not to slide. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. The story, it, it, the, the room is all tiled, the hallway, the shower, and he rubbed baby oil all over his body. And took off and slid all the way down the hallway through the shower and slammed through the wall. And yeah, it was one of those one of those must see moments for sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh gosh, Kyle, wow. anything there on that? Uh, not on that, but uh, <laughs> a, little, <laughs> a little differently for me. It, it'd be hard to put it down to to one thing really. I had I had so many people that that helped me. Um, whether it's Dave Duncan, Tony Larusa, Izzy, Russ Springer. Ron Valone is a guy that my rookie year. Brad Thompson was there as a, as a big help. I mean, there's so everybody um, was willing to, to help out, you know, a, a young player. And, and you're trying to take a little bit of everything and, and put it to use. But um, you felt like everybody was looking out for you. Everybody, you know, had your, your best interest in, in, uh, in what was going on. So for me, it'd be hard to, to point down to one thing. But I know my, my rookie year – was full of hundreds and thousands of, of little things coming here and there that, that were helpful that I could use. And I look back on a lot of them now, lessons learned, and you don't realize at the time how some of those little comments or those little things people pointed out had such a big impact on your career, or, you know, that, that you could see that play out exactly what they were talking about. Just their experience was invaluable. So trying to soak up as much as you could those first few years. And, and I mean, even so you get to the last year. I mean, you're always still trying to learn and adapt and, and make changes. Uh, this question comes from Matt. Matt says, uh, this is for Brian Jordan. What was it like playing on the turf at, at Bush in July? Oh, my. It was <laughs> the worst ever. You talk about heat waves on the field. Uh, we used to run off the field. Our spikes were on fire. I mean, we would just jump in a, a bale of ice, put your feet in the ice. Uh, and you end up changing your shoes a lot of times, you wow. know, late in the game. I mean, that's how hot it was at Bush Stadium. Uh, I remember those days. That mm. turf was incredible. But, uh, you know, they changed it, and then everything worked out great. I, like, man, I can't imagine having to change your shoes because the turf is so yeah. dang hot. That's crazy. Yeah, it was crazy, man. Uh, but Ozzy kind of, you know, as a rookie coming up, I mean, he gave me warning. I mean, he's like, hey, if you slide on this turf, dive. You know, you're going to leave your skin out there. And uh, surely I, I left a lot of skin on it, on that turf. Man. That's <laughs> wild. So this one, you can tell me this is one of my best buddies since third grade, Derek Meinhardt here. So we can we can just go like this. We'll let somebody be the governor. Are we are we going to go there with the, the Houston Astros thing? Is he just going to tell us how good of a golfer he is? Is that what Derek's going to do? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Oh, Brad has played golf with Derek, and Derek Derek's known as probably in the class of 1996, at least the second or third best golfer in the class of 1996. But anyway, this isn't about my career. This is about you guys, because uh, Derek doesn't have a microphone, so I can say whatever I want right now. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, are we even going to go there? Are we going next question? Next well, question. I mean, the, the next Houston question. Thing is, the Houston thing is uh, they're benefiting by all, by all this not playing right now. But it, look, it, I mean, you don't have to avoid it. it they did it. 
they got caught doing it. Uh, I think it's embarrassing for the game and all those associated with it, and they're going to have to face it. I mean, the, the players have to deal with it and face it. Um, the manager and the general manager, they ultimately they lost their jobs, but, you know, they're not having to show up and deal with this every day. Those players and what they had to go through in spring training, uh, it, it's going to be interesting to see if this season does play out how it goes. But, look, everybody – I think here's the general consensus. Every, everybody's always trying to look to get an edge, and, and you're trying to, you know, find those little things. But if you start bringing technology in – and, and going way above and beyond. There's no place in that for the game. I'm glad they caught it. Hopefully there's, you know, if any other teams were doing it, that mm-hmm. it's done with and we can turn the page and move on. But it's definitely a, a black eye for the organization and, and for the game that hopefully will get past it here soon. How many, uh, how many hit by pitches you think those guys are going to have this year? I saw the Las Vegas over-under had it at <clears throat> 86, I think it was. I'm going to take the under just, you know, due to the fact that who knows when we're going to start. (laughs) Right. I'll take the under. That's (laughs) that's why you're so smart, Brad. That's why you're so smart. Uh, Here's a question from Chris Pickett. He said, this is awesome, guys. So thanks for being here. What ballparks did you love to play other than Bush Stadium? What was the best one? What was the worst one? There was no worst one. <laughs> you were just lucky to be playing, right? I think one of, one of my well, favorite <laughs> PNC in Pittsburgh, I thought was a beautiful stadium. Um, we were there a lot because it was in our division. Yep. And then one of my worst is probably uh, uh, the old Philly Stadium was one of the worst. And um, Oh, vet, Veteran Stadium. Yep. Yeah, Veteran Stadium. That was, that was bad. Uh, and the bullpen Wasn't it true they threw batteries country. at Rolling there or something? Oh, they threw everything at everybody there. Jay yeah. Santa. Yeah, we had a guy that got Drew, hit with wasn't a, it JD Drew? A, 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 a little mustard down and got hit in the jersey during the game. I mean, we've had everything thrown at us there. That's unbelievable. I, I love, love Dodger it. Stadium. Dodger Stadium, love it. What'd you like about it? Yeah, I, I, well, it was just iconic to me, and, and the field itself. I mean, it's it's LA, it's Southern California. You're not going to find like a better turf than that. I don't know. There was just something about it that just that took me back. I love it. And, and the mound, I felt like I was on top of the hitter. Like there are some of those mounds where you feel like you're in center field and there are other ones that you feel like you're right on top of the hitter. Hmm. Wrigley to me, I felt like I was in center field all the time. And it felt like it was wavy. And I don't know if that was me from, from before or if it was the field in general, but uh, yeah, Dodger stadium. I just felt like I was on top of people. Did you grow up a Dodgers fan being from Las Vegas, or what was your – No, I, I grew up watching – so WGN and TBS. So I'm uh, watching Cubs, and I'm watching uh, Braves. And then I, I was actually an A's fan as well because Bash Brothers at that time, and so I, I followed them a little bit. But I didn't have that uh, allegiance. You know, that's one thing I'm actually missing in my life. So if you guys want to get me on any team that you guys are really behind, <laughs> I, I don't have a team outside of the Cardinals that I truly right. care about. So uh, I'm taking uh, applications at this point. Okay. Vegas, Vegas Raiders. Hey, I've already bought my gear. There you go. I, yeah, I do have my gear. favorite field is the newer field, and that was Petco Park, going to San Diego, man. I just love the weather there, the fact that the field was downtown. You can almost walk to the stadium. Uh, I'm a lot older than these guys, so Montreal was probably – yeah. A dark and dingy place. Yeah. Izzy, you probably <laughs> been there, Izzy. <laughs> taking, the, taking, the dirty, taking the dirty subway up to that stadium was the yeah. worst. I didn't like the stadium, but I like going to Montreal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. The uh, What about the – when you're talking about walking in the stadium, how, what was it like? Because I was the kid. My parents would take me to the – remember the ballpark, Hilton? used to be around the, uh, the old bush there and, and – yeah, you know, I was the kid that would stand out there and wait for autographs, right? Because the, the opposing team would stay at that Hilton. They'd walk across the street, 
and I, and I remember this like it was yesterday. We're walking. Did you guys ever do this to anybody? I, I got to know. Walking Anduhar. Anybody, does anybody know Walking Anduhar personally? No. Okay, well, because if you get this message to him, I appreciate it. He says, I asked him for his autograph. He said, no hablo inglés, and he kept walking. Do you guys ever do that because you're tired of people just coming up to you and asking for autographs? I can't pull no, that one speak off. speak English. <laughs> <laughs> No. No, all right. No, no. We'll go next question here. Chris Hersey <laughs> wants to know uh, best advice for all ages and skill levels of baseball players to work on their game during this time off the field. What would you be recommending for these kids? Repetitions. Yeah. It doesn't have to be crazy. You can do dry swings. If you're a hitter, you can hit off a key, simulate. I'm, I'm kind of doing the same thing with my kids where, you know, it stinks. They should be playing soccer and, and softball right now and, and baseball, but they're not. So trying to keep repetitions on the, on the tee, maybe – 15, 20, you know, 25 swings trying to hit wiffle balls off the tee or whatever it is, you know, throwing, um, catching, throwing off a, off a wall, just fielding ground balls, just trying to keep as many repetitions as you can going. Yeah, I agree. Yep. So a uh, question from Evan Mallon says, I know Kyle's got brace for impact, which uh, does a phenomenal work in, uh, in Haiti and in North St. Louis. Any other causes? And Kyle, you can plug that as well. But Evan wants to know anything you guys are involved with and, and why did you choose that? Well, I started my foundation in 1998, the Brian Jordan Foundation, giving scholarships to high school seniors in need. We focused on single-parent homes, families not making more than 50000 uh, between the both of them, but kids who really excel and, and do what they're supposed to do in the classroom that deserve to go to college. So this past year, we gave out 26 scholarships, and I have a reading program. I write children's books, so uh, I partner with schools now with the uh, Brian Jordan Reading Challenge. So... That's my cause, and you can go to BrianJordanFoundation.com if you want to learn more about it. That's awesome. And Great link question, is below. Evan. Yeah, the link is below. <laughs> We're splitting the commission six ways on any of these book sales, too. <laughs> there we go. Simo? I, I, I'm, I'm a charity guy for everything. I mean, I've helped out Pujols. I've helped out McClellan. Yep. The, I, I have a nephew that has autism. Obviously, today's 4-2. It's Autism Day, Autism mm. Awareness Month now. Uh, I'm a big, big advocate for that. Uh, but I, I mean, just like the other guys on this uh, call right here, we, we do what we can with it, with anybody when they call. And that's, I mean, I just in general with the St. Louis people, the guys that live here, I mean, that's, I mean, it's, it's like family. So when someone calls and Hey, can you help me out here and this and that? I mean, it's, uh, we're out reaching out and doing as much as we can in the community and helping each other. So, right. I mean, I'm, it's amazing to see how you guys do, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm like I'm like Simo. I mean, I try to help as much as I can with different charities. Um, you've got a an event coming up with Mr. McClellan here in a couple months. Hopefully. That's still going to be going on, I hope, with a bunch of closers in town. And um, so we'll get Kyle to plug that in here in a little bit. And uh, but it's like <laughs> Jason says. I mean, everybody has a golf tournament. I go down to Atlanta to see BJ when I can for his yeah. foundation's tournament. Um, and with Albert, Mike Matheny. Uh, Autism Speaks has a tournament around town. Uh, diabetes. Did you say Swing for Hope? I didn't. Did you say Swing, swing for Hope? Yeah, Swing for oh, Hope. Oh, yeah. That's right. I'm sorry. Yeah. I didn't hear what you, you said can there. You plug that in, too, if you yeah. want. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, it's just it's just part of being, being part of the community. Whatever somebody's got going on, we're always there to help. Um, you know, what little we can. Our, may, our name may bring somebody in or may bring some money in for an organization. And when we can do things like that, it's just amazing to watch what people come together for these different organizations. And what these guys are doing with their organizations are just amazing. I know Kyle does a ton for the kids over in Haiti with the schools and the churches. He's invited me to go to Haiti a couple of times, and I just can't pull the trigger to go down there. 
Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's amazing what these guys are doing for a lot of people, and, and, and I commend all of them for it. Kyle? Plug yes. it away. My wife and I started Brace for Impact, um, you know, back six years ago. It's been, a, it's been a wild ride to kind of see where it's going. But, you know, this is really what I spend 95% doing. I'm a volunteer. I don't get paid to do it, but we do it because, you know, we've been given a platform. And, and to me, um, it, w- it would be a shame to waste that, you know, when you have the opportunity to help people. And, and so, um, thankfully, I'm able to dedicate some time to it. And, and uh, we've had tremendous support, which has allowed us to, to start down in Haiti with community development. Adam Wainwright's another partner, and we have a, a third partner as well. So we get to be a team doing it, which is, is even better. But we have a school of a hospital, a, a children's home, water and sanitation, a vocational school. We touch about 40,000 people every day uh, and make their lives better. And, and uh, mm-hmm. it's all about developing that community and, and creating leaders that can go forth and, and kind of make it better for, for the people that, uh, that are coming next. And then in St. Louis, we, we get to work in, a, in a, a, an area that's, that's close to home and, and special to, to my wife and I, you know, being from St. Louis and making our name there. But we have a lot of need in St. Louis as well. And so working with, uh, with families there, trying to stabilize them and their kids to give them the opportunity to go out and be successful. And, and we're doing that through uh, buying and renovating homes, hiring local workers to do the work and creating jobs and opportunity for them. So um, it's, it's what I feel like I was built and made to do. Uh, I feel like baseball was a, a vehicle for me to kind of get some, to learn some lessons and get some exposure so that I could, you know, do what I do now um, on, a, on, a, on a scale of helping a lot of people. So it's fun. It's uh, it's challenging, especially right now. The coronavirus is in Haiti, and the numbers that they're throwing out there are beyond fearful. Um, if it does what they're saying it's going to do, is is going to be um, something that I don't want to be a part of. But happy. Um, so scary times right now for everybody. It looks like Brian may have to get going. We'll shut it down here in a minute, guys. And Brian, you got to go hit the links. Be careful out there, man. Thanks for joining us. Hey, and uh, two guys have already plugged uh, down here. Evan and uh, Chris Pickett have already plugged the BrianJordanFoundation.com website right here. Nice. So there we go. So we'll put some more stuff on here. Uh, All right. See you, Brian. Thanks for joining us. Take Take care, guys. All right, BJ. All right. All right, and then the last question for you guys, unless we got another one coming in, if you got to jump, but uh, anybody that you guys owned or uh, or owned you. So if you look at it from a hitting standpoint, or uh, you guys are all pitchers now, anybody you own that we can uh, we can we can talk about. Uh, that side of the list is not very long <laughs> for me. Uh, the other side, I've got a few. Uh, Lance Berkman comes to mind. Uh, that, that's a guy that I hated facing. Apparently, he's a great teammate and all. I, I don't think much of him, to be totally honest. Uh, Derek Lee uh, had my number. Derek Lee and Brett, I think I've told you this story before, but Derek Lee actually got me on an episode of ER that apparently right. plays a lot because I get people that tweet me my picture on ER. It was like a make-a-wish thing that Derek Lee did. And this, uh, you know, sick kid in the show said, Derek, would you hit a home run for me? And he's like, I'll try, buddy. And he freaking hits a bomb on the wavelength off of me. So that gets played quite a bit. I'll send you the link if you need it. Yeah, no, that's um, good. I think you but, tweeted that out not too long ago. Was yeah, classic. yeah. I remember the negatives far more than I remember the positives, which is, is not a good character trait. But I think it's one that we probably all share. Hey, but you know what you do have? Something that a lot of us, that, well, I would almost say everybody watching this doesn't have. You have a World Series. Rugged good looks. Oh. Well, yeah. yeah. No, well, that fine. too. You got great looks. <laughs> and uh, Tremendous rugged. game. Rugged. Baby face Brad. Yeah. Rugged good yeah. looks. Exactly. <laughs> Casper. <laughs> Whoa. Casper, really? Yeah. Get some sun. It's get free. That's sun. what they say. It's safer inside right now. 
That's true. Anybody else? Is he anybody you own, Kyle, Simo? Um, I, uh, I don't think – I think Barry Bonds was like one for 15 off of me with a home run in St. Louis. Dang. Um, and I, I don't believe A-Rod ever got a hit off of me, but I'm not for sure because I faced him a lot in Texas and in, uh, when he was in Seattle. That's awesome. Those are good names. Kyle? For me, uh, Derek Lee was my guy that I love to see. I think he was uh, – You see what you just over. did there, Brad? Yeah. What the hell? <laughs> How'd you do it? <laughs> uh, it, was, it was always the same at bat, too. I, we would almost always go 3-2, and I would get him on a curveball at the end. So Brad didn't have a curveball. That might have been, been it. No, uh, no I, I never got to 3-2. Yeah. <laughs> he always had long at bats, but it always ended up well. And then in Wrigley, he actually finally got a hit off me, and, it, and Brennan Ryan had tipped off his glove. And so I think he ended up maybe being like one for 11 off me. Uh, but yeah, that's nice. Yeah, the other, yeah, yeah, thanks for other, sharing the story, Kyle. Really, you want me yeah. to mute him, Brad? Yeah, I mean it's it's fine. Uh, tell me how you did against Berkman too. I'm sure you dealt. Yeah, I was zero for three, I think. But um, yeah. uh, <laughs> Hunter Pence was the guy that owned me. Hunter Pence, I, yeah, I he wasn't even a good hitter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Miguel Tejada, those two were the ones that that I struggled with. I think Kyle asked you that question. He's got his list in front of you. He's, Bridget's holding a piece of paper in front of him with stats. Like, here's I what's remember. happening right now. I, I got to remember those references. Exactly. <laughs> cool. Come on, man. Uh, if you guys need to bolt, guys. bolt, I can do this all day, but you guys need to just, just mute off if you want to go off. But I got like a lot to do. They've shut down all the golf courses in Illinois. That's right. So Did we're just going to really? keep rocking if it's all right. Wow. Kyle, you know you got you're burning, you're burning like woods and stuff out there. Let me be, yeah. let me rephrase. You're not burning trees and stuff. You're burning like tall grass and all that kind right. of stuff. So. I want to hear Simon, and then I am I am gonna take off. Not Simo's, like that. Simo's uh, best uh, batters uh, dominated. I'm I'm I I've got two guys that I did good uh, well against. So it was uh, Ken Griffey Jr. and and Sammy Sosa. Man. And, I don't know what – I think – I don't think Griffey got any hits off me. I think it was like eight or nine times I faced him. Um, and, but everybody else, I'm like on their home run list. I gave up a boatload of those. So. <laughs> I'm, Did you, I, I think uh, I'm you saw sure King Griffey Jr. today? Sorry, go ahead. What's that? Go ahead. No, if you say if you saw King Griffey Jr. today, would you tell him that he's over against you? No, because I'm not that type of guy. I don't know that guy that well. <laughs> <laughs> what did you say, Brad? I would for sure. Yeah. That was the one guy that I, when I faced him the first time, I probably had a grin ear to ear. Cause I mean, I, I had his rookie card. If he, if you didn't do the King Griffey Jr. swing in the backyard, oh, yeah. you weren't growing up right. And I remember yeah. facing him like this. Yeah, here he comes. Ground ball to second base. Got him. Nobody nice. Yeah. yeah. I love it. That was when King Griffey Jr. wasn't as good anymore, but you know, yeah. it still counts. That's all right. That's all I'll right. tell you a quick my, my quick Ken Griffey story. So it was it was like Brad. It was my welcome to the big leagues moment. I remember sit, standing on the mound and they said now batting King Griffey Jr. and it was the only time in my career I stepped off the mound. And I just kind of rubbed the ball up and I was like I'm gonna soak this in. Like this is Ken Griffey Jr. Then I walked him on four straight pitches and I was so mad at myself. <laughs> I'm like just just let him hit a home run. Who cares? You know it's Ken Griffey Jr. So I face him again. Like I don't know later. I don't know when it was, but I face him again the second time and. And I get him, uh, he, he fouls a ball straight back and he, and he starts shaking his hand. And I immediately think he broke his handmade bone. Like that's a common injury that you'll see with hitters. 
And so I'm like, you know, playing it cool on there and he's shaking his hand off and it's an O2 count at this point. And so he kind of gets in there and I give him the cool, like, Hey, you, you good? Like the head nod, like me and him are like, you know, really, Your boys. really cool or something. <laughs> and I'm, you know, I kind of give him the like respect, like, you know, I'll give you some time. And so he gets in there and I'm like, I'm going to throw the nastiest curveball I've ever thrown right here. And I'm going to punch out King Griffey Jr. And I want it to be looking because I'm going to, I'm going to like dance off the mound if I do it. And so I throw a, a good curveball and he just gets out in front and he just barely flicks it down to the first baseman. And I was so mad that I didn't strike him out, but I'm running down along. I have to go cover the base. And so I'm like running close to him and catch it. And it was just kind of a cool, like I'm running right next to King Griffey Jr. As I just am about to get him out. Um, but that was definitely my, just like Brad, that was my welcome to the big leagues. Like, wow, I'm really on the mound facing Ken Griffey Jr. That's, that's a pretty surreal moment for me in my career. I'm sure Izzy, same with, you know, Barry Bonds and, and some of those guys, but uh, that was definitely it for me. Some of the best. That's awesome. Yeah. Hey, uh, there's a question on here, and I know you got to go, Kyle, real quick, but uh, Jeff Sieberger wants to know, who's tagged the biggest deer between Izzy and Kyle? Uh, Izzy's got a lot more money. I would say he paid for some. <laughs> 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 uh, probably free rent. Well, I'm going to say Kyle because mine are uh, – I have paid for a few deer for sure, but uh, that's not that's not quite the same. Uh, Kyle, you got a big one last year on your own property. I did, yeah. I got it. My my biggest is one sixty eight. One sixty for a non hunter. I don't even know what that means. What does that that's mean? Crazy. Yeah, exactly. I'm with you, BT. <laughs> Gosh, you guys need to get out a little bit more. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, yeah. hey Izzy, this thing right here it works, and you could call me. And just, just <laughs> yeah, exactly. Go shoot some stuff. Let me let me check my messages yes. too, Brad. I'm gonna see if yeah. I've got any messages. No, I don't things. see any. Um, hey, uh, Brad, how about you? If Kyle, you got a bolt, man. Thanks for being with us. You're awesome. Yeah. I'll see you soon. I'm going to take off. Thanks, guys. Guys, great to see you. Opening day. See you, Kyle. See you. Uh, Brad, how did you get into radio? I think that's, uh, I think it's a pretty cool story, man. Yeah, I didn't pitch well enough and <laughs> I had to have something to fall back on. No, it's actually really funny. Uh, and, and I tell people all the time the, the guy that got me into radio and the guy that put my name out there the first time was Chris Duncan, who obviously, if anybody listened to this, if you're a Cardinal fan, you know, Dunk passed away last year after a long battle with cancer. And uh, Dunk was already doing a radio show here at ESPN. And he, he was going through his first bout with his brain tumor. And I, I didn't know that at the time, but he had passed along my phone number uh, to somebody here, to the program director, and said, hey, I think that if, if Brad's in town, he might, he might want to do this. He might try. You know, did you just mute yourself, Brad? There we go. What, did I? No, there you go. Now uh, we're back. No, but, but they asked, uh, they called me on a Friday, asked if I could come in and do the show on a Monday. I, I did. And, and one segment in, they asked me if I could uh, come back for the rest of the week. And the rest of the week turned into an entire offseason before I went out and played again. And it's turned into a full-time gig. And I, I got to be honest, I, I love it. Uh, it can get challenging at times, you know, like when there's not any sports, you know, now uh, would be one of those times. But no, I, I love it so much. I got such a good uh, – I've been blessed throughout my career to have great teammates. Simo, Simo and I roomed together in AAA in 04 for a little bit. Uh, nice. Izzy, uh, Kyle McClellan. I uh, had so many great teammates along the way, but I got great teammates doing what I do now too, and I, I love it. Awesome. So last question for you, and I'll let you boys go. Talk to us about uh, – since Yachty's still playing, you guys all play with Yachty, pitch to Yachty. What, what's it like – in again, biased opinion here, but probably the best catch, uh, best catcher to ever play the game. What's it like to pitch to Yachty, and do you ever call that guy off? Um, I was lucky. My career in St. Louis, I pitched to two of the best catchers I've ever pitched to were Mike Matheny and Yachty. 
Um, I, I consider Mike more of a mechanical guy and Yachty more of just a natural talent type of guy, both gold glove pitchers or catchers. Uh, usually the only time I shook either one of them off because of the way they do their homework and they know all the hitters was when I wanted to throw a curveball. That was the only time I ever shook them off. And um, uh, other than that, you just kind of follow their lead because they do a lot more homework than you do on the, on the hitters. So you just show yeah. up and you just know. They throw down the <clears throat> one, you're, you're throwing the fastball, and you just trust it and then get it ready yeah. to rock. For the That's most part, right. yeah. Uh, Yachty for me just gave me more confidence in everything that I was going to throw because when he put when he put something down I'm like damn it you might know something I don't know here here we go let, let's do it and uh, another thing that Yachty did and I know Matheny did the same thing uh, is he and, and Simon you threw to him as well but he took uh, he took all the thought if there was a runner on first who cares like I'm not as worried about him I know if I give you a tiny bit of time that you're going to be able to get that guy so I, I don't have to worry about that he just took that off the plate for for young pitchers specifically, but for everybody. Yep. Time out. Yeah, they were, yeah, both of those guys. I, I threw to, obviously, Matheny a lot more than I threw to Yachty. Um, but both of those guys, uh, Izzy is a power pitcher. Brad and I were, hey, dude, we don't want to throw more than three pitches to you. Uh, and the thought process of calling pitches, uh, having to put balls in the dirt, knowing that the fact that the ball's going to get snuffed, it's going to sit right there. The running game, uh, they, they pretty much shut down. Obviously, Yachty's got a cannon and, and throws the ball well. And Mike was obviously, like uh, Izzy said, you know, just a, a machine back there. But the ball was always a foot off the ground right above the bag when he threw the ball. Um, and both of those guys uh, were managers on the field. Uh, very prepared, intense, uh, obviously had the passion. But, uh, I mean, there was, there was a lot of respect. There's no doubt. Like Izzy said, those are probably two of the best. I mean, you think about even the Cardinals – before that, I, I mean, it was Pagnazzi, right? So, so they literally had three catchers in the last 30 years, pretty much, almost, right? That's a good point. I mean, you talk about something special and, and pitchers to be able to throw to a backstop like that, that's, <laughs> they don't come around too long nope. or too often. Nope. What do you think, guys, you want to close with? Any other Cardinal memory you think our fans would like to hear? And uh, if not, it's uh, been great being with you guys. For no, me, I, man, I, I just want to say – Go ahead, Brendan. Oh, I was just going to say, I just want to see you, my man. I just want to see opening day, Jason Isringhausen getting, putting his jacket on and being out there shaking hands because that to me is one of my biggest honors of my career is getting an opportunity to shake hands with the Hall of Famers uh, on opening day. And Izzy, I can't wait for that day for you. Well, it'll, that's my what I was going to say. I just want everybody to, to pay attention to what's going on around them and everybody get healthy, stay healthy, and get through this and get back to playing sports and – getting back to our normal lives. And when that day comes, Brad, uh, it's going to be fun for everybody. Uh, my family is going to be very excited. So just looking forward to that. But, yeah, more than anything, I just want to get this uh, pandemic uh, over with and let's get moving along. You're going to cry on that day. Yeah, he might. The big no. man might cry. You know, crying's out. You're already done. <laughs> it's okay to cry. It shows your true feelings. That's right. That's right. Well, guys, hey, man, and, and to our listeners, uh, everybody's like Izzy just said, stay safe, uh, you know, stay home, take care of yourselves, take care of your family. I can't thank you guys enough. And to Kyle and Brian who already left, I mean, you guys got a lot of uh, better people to talk to than me. And it's just been awesome to have you as a, as a diehard Cardinal fan. I've been going to baseball games literally my whole life. Uh, being an only child from Matt Toon, we would drive down. I've watched every single one of you guys. So when you talk about running next to King Griffey Jr. or whatever, I've watched all you guys, man. You're all my heroes. And the cool thing is getting to know all of you is, is you are down to earth. You are approachable. You're as, as cool as, as anybody could be. And you guys are just awesome. So thanks so much for being with us. I know you got a lot of things going on. You got your families, you got homeschooling going on, all sorts of stuff. So 
spend over an hour with guys like you has been absolutely awesome. Thank you, gentlemen. It's great being with Thank you. Thank you, Brett. Appreciate Thanks it. for having us, Brett. Appreciate it, man. All right, guys. Be good. See you, Brett. All right. See you See later. You Tune in next week for another episode of The Circuit of Success with Brett Gilliland on the lineupmedia.fm podcast network. Subscribe to the show on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and through our website, circuitofsuccess.com. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter and email any questions to info at circuitofsuccess.com. This podcast was a presentation of lineupmedia.fm.